unexpected visitors. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour, who is Christ the Lord. How do you react when you have an unexpected visitor knock at your door? If it's family or friends, um, I expect you're, you're happy to see them, mostly, but no doubt your reaction is different to the double glazing salesman or someone wanting to fix your guttering. I certainly have a different reaction. So I expect your reaction to an angel appearing in a field in the middle of the night will be similar to that of the shepherds that we read about. They reacted with fear. They were scared stiff with what was happening. It's not every day that an angel turns up, is it? And it's not every day that an angel speaks to you. I can imagine one of the shepherds shouting to his buddy and saying, what did you put in the hot chocolate tonight? This reaction of fear was not like the fear of heights or the fear of water or of spiders, but a reaction of an unusual appearance of an angel and then a host of angels. Many times in the Bible, people reacted with fear when they had heavenly encounters and are close to the presence of God. These shepherds had a holy fear, one of awe and wonder. In this country, when a child is born that's in line with the throne, we hear about the news for many months before the announcement. This too was an announcement of a royal birth, but it was a different royal birth. And with this announcement came an opening up of the heavens and the supernatural encounter that the shepherds trembled at. This angelic announcement of Jesus' birth is a culmination of a number of heavenly encounters proclaiming the birth of Christ. On the one hand, angels appearing in glorious light, bringing their message of peace and singing about God's glory is incredible. But the more remarkable thing is the person who was being born. When I was born, there was no supernatural visitation from the heavens, no grand announcement. I expect it was similar at your birth. But this was no ordinary birth. God's son Jesus had become flesh, taken on humanity, had come to live with us. Christ, the saviour of the world, had arrived. These uneducated shepherds would have been on an ordinary night shift, looking after their sheep. This was menial work, long hours, no minimum wage laws, living long periods of time away from home. They were the lowest of the low and considered unclean and even untouchables by some. The schoolboy version of the carol, while shepherds wash their socks by night, is probably not too far from the truth, as these shepherds would have lived much of their lives with their sheep. It was an extraordinary and even an unexpected plan from God that the angels bring the revelation of Jesus' birth to the shepherds. But this was God's agenda. God's heart is to reveal himself to people, to shepherds, to wise men, rich and poor, young and old. And he reveals himself in different ways to different people. Sometimes it's through dreams. Sometimes it's through tragic events. Sometimes it's through an audible voice. Sometimes it's through the scriptures. The Jews looked for a sign. And the sign that these shepherds saw was the babe in a manger. 
for the wise men, it was following a royal star. The angel's message was clear. Fear not. We bring you good news of great joy for all people. The shepherds would have still had their questions, but they obeyed the angel's message and went to seek and find. The angels were unexpected visitors, which then led to the shepherds becoming unexpected visitors. Luke, who was a doctor, wrote the narrative that we have read this evening. However, there are a few gaps in the story. Did you notice them? Like, who on earth did this teenage couple, how on earth did this teenage couple cope in the middle of the night in a strange town with no maternity facilities? Who cut the umbilical cord? Surely Luke, a doctor, would mention that. And how did the shepherds know where to find Jesus in a town? And what happened with the sheep? I'm sure you've got your own questions about the story. Let's have a look at the story as the shepherds visit Mary, Joseph and Jesus. And I'm sorry to have to tell you, I don't think they visited them in a stable as tradition would have us believe. Bethlehem was busy because it was having a national census. From the phrase, there was no room in the inn, we tend to think that everywhere Mary and Joseph looked, they saw no vacancy signs in all the windows, and they couldn't find anywhere to stay. However, that little word in is better translated guest room, and the relevance uh, you'll see of that in a minute. We have to remember that Joseph had some royal blood in him. He was in the family line of King David. He would have had relatives in Bethlehem, his uncles, his aunts, first cousins, second cousins, and so on. Family would have been there for Mary and Joseph. This was the culture of the day. For sure, it would have been crowded in Bethlehem, so it's highly likely that they actually stayed with family. The homes that they lived in at the time were built open plan, so one huge room. And in that room, the family lived and cooked and washed up and played Monopoly or whatever they did in those days and slept. They did everything in the one room. And at the end of the room, that open plan room, was where they kept their animals at night. This was usually dug out and a little bit lower and where they brought the animals at night for protection from the weather and from thieves. They tied them up in the room and had a manger there for the animals. If they were wealthier, these homes often had a guest room that would be either on the back or on the roof of uh, the, the, the house. We know this from other Bible stories and archaeological uh, developments. Therefore, it is more likely that Mary and Joseph stayed in a huge room with a family they knew or were related to in some way because the guest room was in use. This makes much more sense as there would have been women there to help with the birth of Jesus for the cord cutting and the breastfeeding and all that messy stuff that happens just after a birth rather than these two poor teenagers on their own in a stable. No extended family, I'm sure, would have been on hand to help this couple. And with all the oil lamps in the house blazing and the commotion and the excitement of a birth, the shepherds would have been able to find them easily. Luke doesn't tell us these details, 
because the original reader would have understand, would have understood much of this. And these details are not the important thing. So these shepherds who had met heaven's unexpected visitors now became the unexpected visitors to see, them, to see Jesus the baby for themselves, who was described by the angel as the saviour, the rescuer, Christ the Lord. We're told that they went straight, they made haste, they went to see for themselves this sign and this wonder. The word, that is Jesus becoming flesh, the one who would become the saviour of the world, the one whom Isaiah prophesied about, which we read earlier. And after they had seen the Christ child, the baby, the sign, they left and went around telling everyone about the angel's message and the birth of the saviour, the birth of the Messiah, the good news for all people. After the shepherds visited, they returned praising God for all that they had seen. So the angels were unexpected visitors, the shepherds were unexpected visitors, but the important unexpected visitor was Jesus. For sure, Jesus' birth had been prophesied about many times, and the religious Jews of the day were, and are still looking for his arrival. But they were looking for a different Messiah. They were looking for a king or a political leader, one who would free them from their oppressors. They were looking for someone who would build their economy, develop their nation, make them more powerful and strong as a nation, and get rid of the nations oppressing them, like they'd had in previous kings. But this was not God's plan. In the first reading this evening from Isaiah, we read, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. What does this mean? We all walk in darkness. That is not physical darkness, but a spiritual darkness. This darkness is caused by sin, which is common to all men and women. This is the darkness, the blackness that we have in our hearts. If we are honest with ourselves, we are all less than perfect. We're all sinners. We all have darkness in our hearts. And we try to fix that darkness, don't we? Or we try to hide it. As a nation, we think that the state and the government will fix the darkness in people's hearts. We can think that money will fix the problem. You know, relieve people of poverty and things will be sorted out. Or that education is the answer, or technology, or a greater understanding of psychology, or even world peace. Surely this will help the darkness in men's hearts. All these things have their place, but they do not deal with the spiritual darkness in individuals' hearts, in your heart, and in my heart. You see, if man could have fixed the darkness in his own heart, surely we would have done it by now. People often say, I cannot see God, I can't hear him, I can't feel him, he doesn't seem to be there. Prove to me that he's there. No, does God really exist? The darkness and sin in our own hearts produces that barrier between God, and we can feel distant and that he is uninterested. But he is not. God is neither disinterested or distant from you this evening. Because God so loved the world, and he so loved you and me, and all mankind, that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to be that light of the world that we heard sung about tonight, to be the unexpected visitor, to show us the way to find God 
our Heavenly Father, to be the unexpected star of the night, if you're a McIntyre fan. Jesus came to fix our hearts, to be our rescuer, to be our saviour. A light put on in a room dispels the darkness and reveals what has been hidden. The darkness goes. Jesus coming into the world brings that light. Like the shepherds brought the light, like the angels brought the light to the shepherds on that night, Jesus brings light into our hearts so that darkness has to leave. Someone shared a picture with me this week of a moon behind some clouds and mist. And as the person was looking at the moon, the clouds disappeared and the mist was gone. It's a bit like that when the light of Jesus comes into your heart. The unexpected visitor, Jesus brings that light. He is the fixer. Whoever believes in Jesus, young or old, rich or poor, slave or master, shepherd or wise man, black or white, educated or not, all who believe can have relationship with God through Jesus and can have eternal life. Jesus came to deal with the black heart problem that we have. That issue we all have with sin and evil. God gave the world his son Jesus. And Jesus the creator left the glory of heaven. Came to this earth. Was born in poverty as we are. Then lived a perfect life. Overcoming. He was fully God and fully man. He was sinless. And then he died on the cross for our sakes. He took upon himself all the sin and darkness in our lives to free us from all that separates us from Father God. He identified himself fully with us, took everything that we might receive and possess everything, including eternal life. We can leave the darkness, know that barrier removed and have peace with God. For unto you, For unto you is born a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is truly the unexpected visitor and the unexpected star. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.